Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 67 with Scott Jordan of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I'm your host coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, yeah, guys, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur and uh, using our interviews to level up. So it's uh, it's about 3.30 a.m. here and i uh, getting my hustle on, looking forward to a good sleep in, but I uh, need to start batching these recordings of these podcast episodes a little more so we can get a little more organized. That's about it that's what's happening with me just working super hard hustling as hard as I can to get you guys as much epic content as I can let's talk about today's guest Scott Jordan this guy he knows how to hustle I can tell you that speaking of hustle this guy knows how to hustle and he knows how to get press for his startup he knows how to cause controversy he's done some cool stuff he's the founder of Scotty Vest He's been on Shark Tank. He's friends with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. You know, there's so much gold shared in this episode. This one is not to be missed. I know I say this all the time, but I only bring the best stuff, all right? So trust me when I say this. This is a great one. Scott absolutely crushed it. So much to take away, especially when it comes to PR especially when it comes to getting things done, especially when it comes to some interesting stories around Shark Tank. So that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these interviews, please do take the time to leave us a review. 
I'd love to hear that you're enjoying the show. It helps us grow. Tell your friends about the show. If you do like the show, you also might want to check out the magazine. You can go to foundermag.com forward slash iTunes or foundermag.com forward slash Android. All right, now let's jump in the show. So I'm going to ask you my favorite question, which is my first question, is how'd you get your job? I created it myself. Uh, about 14 years ago, I was frustrated with carrying around all my devices while I traveled. And it occurred to me that other than man bags and fanny packs, there wasn't really anything out there on the market that dealt with it. And at the time, I was working for a real jerk as a boss, tra- commuting quite a bit, and thought to myself, If I can't start my own company on a good idea, at this point in my life, I'm never going to do it. So I quit my job and my day job. I was a lawyer for an internet startup company and started Scotty Vest. Mm. Now, can you tell us a little more? Like uh, 14 years ago, how did you get your first sale? I, I started Scotty Vest as a clothing company. A lot of your listeners might not know about us. We were a clothing company designed to hold all your electronic devices. And our first product was called the Evest 1.0. And we've since evolved to a company with over 50 different products for men and women, ranging from pants, underwear, vests, jackets, shirts, hats, a full line of clothing. So uh, how do I get my first sale is a great question because uh, without revenues, you're not in business. At the time, I planned on basically just patenting the concept of wiring your electronic devices through a lining of a clothing article and licensing it under the trade name technology-enabled clothing. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was clothing companies were not apt to license a concept especially for a patent pending. So I decided that I needed to come out with a proof of concept. So we came out with the Evest 1.0. And I soon discovered that it would take several months in order for it to produce and even longer to find a buyer to put it in their catalog. And I, I write about a lot of these experiences, by the way, in my book, Pocket Man on Amazon. But as I was putting everything together, I decided to have a, a brochure website. This was 15 years ago, mind you. Not everything was on the Internet. And my web, uh, web developer said, do you want to e-commerce enable your site? It'll cost you another thousand bucks to do so. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Little did I know when I said, yeah, sure, why not, that I became the first apparel brand to start on the Internet. Oh, wow. uh, there have been many other brands that you know use the Internet as an extension of their existing catalog, REI and others uh, at the time, but um, none had started on the Internet. So I put the, uh, some prototype versions on, on the website saying, coming soon, <laughs> Scotty Vest, order now. Mm. And I went after all the bloggers. I don't even think they were called bloggers at the time, media and the like, to, to write about this concept. And I spend a lot of my time and effort focusing on PR. I'm kind of a master at PR and understanding how to manipulate the media in a fashion, in a positive fashion, to tell the story and make their lives easier. And 
And before long, we started getting uh, very quickly. We started getting pre-orders for a product I hadn't even lined up a factory for. I had no idea what it was going to cost me to produce, and I was already selling them before they were being made. Uh, the sort of the precursor to Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which is kind of ironic because we're we're experimenting with uh, an Indiegogo campaign next month which is not common for an established business, but we're looking to continue to grow and expose our business to new consumers, and it's one way to do it. So we had you know, uh, over $100,000 in pre-orders you know, based upon the media attention and, and the Internet, and to this day, 90% of our business is direct-to-consumer on the Internet. Mm, wow, very interesting. There's a few things I'd like to unpack there. First things, probably... Can you give us an insight to to where the company's at now? Yeah, we have uh, 15 full-time employees. We're located in Sun Valley, Ketchum, Idaho. We have been named in, on Inc.'s fastest-growing company list for uh, three consecutive years. We don't disclose our, our, our gross sales, but we're doing well in excess of uh, seven figures. Actually, eight figures, I guess now. Yeah, six figures is a hundred thousand, and seven figures is a million. We're 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 in excess of ten million dollars. We sell uh, throughout the entire world. In fact, twelve percent of our business uh, comes from international customers. The largest being is England, uh, Australia, and Canada. Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, is on our board of advisors, along with Hap Klopp, the founder of The North Face. Your fans may recognize me. They're fans of the hit TV show on ABC called Shark Tank. Mm. The only entrepreneur ever to point at three sharks and tell them <laughs> they were out, which was fun. Um, and, uh, you know, we're I'm living the dream and working hard every day. I have no desire. We have no outside investors. We were profitable since our second year in business and have maintained profitability uh, each and every year thereafter, uh, increasing along the way. It's not without its uh, road bumps and uh, you know hiccups along the way, but um, I've managed to you know, do pretty well in light of the circumstances, especially during a down economy. Mm, yeah, no, look uh... – you are living the dream. I uh, I follow you on Facebook, and you're always doing this cool, interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, I I try to keep it my life interesting, my work interesting, and combine the two. I mean, most recently, I having written the book Pocket Man, I bought this crazy three wheeled vehicle called a Polaris Slingshot, decorated it with uh, all sorts of pocket man icons and logos and went around the, the country, uh, you know, starting in Las Vegas and up and down the coast of California and speaking at universities and, and, and a variety of places and holding fan events and meeting great people. And yeah, I, I, I think that if you can create the job you want and, and be enthusiastic and passionate about it and focus on the bottom line, of course, you can be immensely successful. I, I know. I know. I have. Hmm. Yeah. Look. Um. I definitely want to touch on first of all, probably Indiegogo thing, because I'm curious. I've we've actually I've actually interviewed the founder of Indiegogo, and uh, I'm curious. Like you said, that you wanted to to tap into a new market. Now, I 
from from my like knowledge, and we've never done a crowdfunding campaign, but it's one of the best ways to bring an idea to life and really validate a concept. But most of the market generally comes from like PR or your existing audience. If you have a current community, which you guys do, so I'm I'm curious at your play around that. Can you go a little bit deeper for me on that? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to. I'd, I'd love to measure back uh, after it launches to see whether the ideas I'm talking to you about now come to fruition. So, you know, we need to expand our customer base. We find that our current customers keep coming back for more. Four in 10 sales on any particular day are from existing customers. Mm. But in order to grow the business, which is a fantastic rate of return, but you always have to balance that because you want new customers because those new customers are going to keep coming back. And, and, and you know, it's difficult when we don't have a big marketing budget, an advertising budget to acquire customers. And what do you search for on the internet when you didn't know it existed? A multi-pocket clothing that hides all the pockets inside. You know, the, you know, the, the mm. typical SEO doesn't work for us. I mean, mm. um, at all. So, you know, we, we've focused a lot on PR, telling our story to the media, which we think is unique. And and they've been if you do a Google search, you'll see how much they've written about us. So uh, as we scratch our head trying to you know see all these other clothing companies launch on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, one was a silly hoodie with a few pockets uh, raised uh, several hundred thousand dollars. Another was a hoodie designed. And, you know, to hold your beer, you know, uh, and I think that raised close to a million dollars and we're mm, scratching wow. our heads. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous sums of money for, for these, um, not so innovative concepts in clothing, but with a clever video and a clever story. And we thought to ourselves, well, you know, here's a great opportunity to expose our brand to a whole new market that probably is not aware of our, our products. Now, granted that, you know, most of the products are fledgling companies that are just trying to get off the ground. But, you know, look at Pebble. Uh, mm. Pebble went not only initially and, they, you know, when they did uh, tremendously well initially, but the second round, you know, for their new Pebble watch, they went back to Kickstarter. And, and they are anything, anything but a startup at this point in time. So they were just using the platform to activate not only their audience – who they owe their you know success to, but you know they're the new audience that they wanted to gain. So I'm I'm using it quite differently, and I expect to be honest with you, some people are going to give us some blowback because they're going to say, no, that's not what Indiegogo is for. Mm. Uh, Indiegogo is really to launch a company, but that's not true. I mean, the the, the outline is pretty clear. You, you can launch, you know, launch a product. So we are launching uh, the ultimate pocket fleece which represents the coolest product that we've ever made to date with, I believe it has um, 17, don't, don't quote me, I lost count. I might have a few more, 17 hidden pockets, removable sleeves, uh, the personal area network to wire your devices to one another. And just, we're doing an awesome video. I just shot it today. Mm -hmm. um, and we're making it clear that unlike a lot of the other products that you buy on Indiegogo or Kickstarter, I've bought some myself. It's really frustrating because it's a crapshoot as to whether or not they're actually going to produce the product. We know we're going to produce the product. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're certain, you know, uh, it's going to be produced and, and people are going to love it. And it, it's so much so that, 
you know, Indiegogo has a, a little known feature that they reserve for only special products where they offer people insurance to assure them that, you know, that, that the product will be made. Otherwise they get their money back and they charge, I don't know, five, 10 bucks for it. And, um, it's highly likely that they're going to incorporate that feature for our product launch and I'll try and do it by the end of June. We're shooting for, mm-hmm. and we're excited about that. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Nice. What do you so think? You... What do you think? Give me a, give me, give, you're the first outside person I've talked to about it. Oh, well, thank you. No, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting because I'm like on the other side of the table where I believe that, uh, yeah, these crowdfunding platforms are a brilliant way to bring an idea to life. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I, and also cause we've, we've done like a whole crowdfunding issue so i've interviewed some crazy people that have raised you know a lot of money on on kickstarter or indiegogo and uh yeah most of their traction comes from pr so i think you'll do really really well on that front because it sounds like you're really really good at this pr stuff so i i'm really interested to see how it goes well stay tuned let's Mm. do a follow-up yeah definitely um my question is you know you said you're really good at PR and and you you talk about promotion a lot. Let's let's touch on that. Like like what do you do to get a lot of press? How will you approach this Indiegogo play to get a lot of press? You know, I think there are some challenges to the Indiegogo play to get get a lot of press. I mean, I I I don't know how press worthy unto itself it is i'm working in conjunction with indiegogo's team they were thrilled to have me i was really vacillating between kickstarter and indiegogo and um so they're they're gonna they're gonna you know go to some special lengths to help us i don't uh, to be honest with you i don't know how press worthy necessarily this product and this this is Per se, I, 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 I can talk about some other things I've done that I think are much more relevant to your question. You know, uh, whether it be when I first started, uh, you know, 15 years ago, right after 9-11 and no bags were allowed into at the time it was Comdex, not even CES, but Comdex and and other big conventions and hotels and sporting events. There were no bags allowed. And I, I had a big campaign that says if you're not allowed to have a bag, you know, you can put it in your Scotty vest. And and I, I promoted that heavily and got coverage. The E in Scotty Vest was an italics E, and uh, IBM threatened to sue us over it looked too similar to E and E Business Solutions. Wow. So what I do is I issued a press release, David versus Goliath, and I had people call, you know, IBM, how ridiculous is this? I agreed to change the E to a non-italicized E and, and, and sold through the remainder of my product. But in the meantime, people from IBM were calling me in an attempt to um, get the, the, the final E version, the IBM E version of the Scotty Vest. There, there's a pattern of embracing controversies. So rather than running away from a controversy, I, I embrace it and I, I talk about it. I make it a serious situation. Um, when Delta Airlines refused to allow me to advertise in their in-flight magazine because we said it saved baggage fees, we issued a press release <laughs> and said, how silly is this? And, and sure enough, if you do a Google search for Scotty Vest and Delta Airlines, you'll come up with hundreds of thousands of articles from major news media you know, talking about you know, this controversy. 
And most recently, you know, SkyMall was announced that they were going bankrupt and out of business. And I thought, oh, here's an opportunity to possibly buy a major brand for very little money and insert myself into a, a conversation and do a Google search on Scotty Vest and SkyMall. You'll see I was on CNBC uh, a month or so ago talking about it. Ultimately, I decided not to purchase it. And I was very serious about the possibility of purchasing it. Uh, but, you know, things didn't work out the way I thought it would. They lost all their contracts with their airlines. You know, there's an event coming up here um, called Allen & Company, which is uh, a private equity bank that hosts the, all the billionaires. I mean, this is the most exclusive event in the world. Uh, mm. George Soros, Murdoch, and, you know, Bill Gates, and it's technology and media, and they come up here. Uh, it's about 350 billionaires. And mm -hmm. so it, it's in my backyard. So I'm hosting a, a corresponding event to to coincide with it, where I am welcoming the media, you know, who is shunned from this event. And I'm saying, come hang out at my office, enjoy my <laughs> fiber optic bandwidth. And if there are any deals to be announced that are not allowed to be announced on the property of the resort, they can come over here. So it's just, it, it's just looking at every opportunity and saying, is there, is there something worth talking about? Is there something interesting? Even if it's not necessarily all positive, you know, inserting your name into it. And, and, and with the internet, you, you level the playing field, you issue a press release, you, you contact some reporters, you, you, you write the story for them and you'd be surprised. You're going to get your story out there. Mm, awesome. Now there's a lot to take away there. So I have to ask like that stunt with shark tank, was that on purpose to create controversy? I'm not sure your listeners are aware. This stunt, yeah, let's let's um, go through this one. Okay, so I applied to be on Shark Tank with my company, Scotty Vest, and I did so primarily for the media attention. We didn't need the money, mm. um, but I would like six million people at the time, and now even more, learning about my company. Now, I, I would have welcomed some money, of course. I, you know, we're completely self-funded. It would have been nice to raise a little money, put some in my pocket after all these years. So I, you know, I did want the money. I wasn't going on solely for the publicity, but primarily for the publicity. Mm. And um, most people pe do. Well, they should. They, they resented me because I was the first person who got accused of only going on for publicity. But you're foolish because the likelihood of you getting a deal is very slim to none. And if you do get a deal, the likelihood of it actually closing on the terms that you like that were presented in, in, on TV are even even slimmer. So you, you, you go on and you're foolish not to, to take this as a, a promotional opportunity. So when I applied for Scotty Vest, I, I read the contract and deep on page 42, after having gone through hours of interviews and approvals and getting to the point where a contract was finally presented to me, I realized that just by appearing on the show, I had to give 5% of my business to the producers of the show, whether wow. a deal was done or not. Now, this was in season three. Uh, they have since changed the rules primarily because of me, but oh, having wow. read that, I said to myself, well, I'm not going to give 5% of a company that is worth over $10 million. So it, it would you know, be a, approximately you know, a million dollars of, of equity in my business to the producers in exchange for nothing and, mm. and possibly a bad edit. So instead, I pivoted and presented a, a wholly owned subsidiary, technology-enabled clothing, 
uh, a licensing company which had limited revenues, which I controlled, and I presented that company instead. Mm. So uh, was that a stunt? No, it was just smart business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know and it, it was ironic because the, the Sharks all tried to, to bid on the retail company. And if I dared mention the name of the company, Scotty Vest, I would have given away 5% merely for mentioning it. So you can imagine how hard it is, as nervous as I was on stage, to talk for over an hour about my company without ever mentioning the name of the company. You know, and if I had, it would have cost me a million dollars. I don't know how many people could have done that. So it's a, it's an entertaining episode. It's season three, episode I, I believe twelve, um, under the brand name Technology Enabled Clothing. You can find it on YouTube if you'd like. Yeah, now we'll link to the show notes in the podcast. Um, I'm curious. So you said that if you mention your your name, like the name Scotty Vest, they would get another five. Like they would get. They would five. have gotten the five percent of Scotty Vest. As it stood, they, I was willing to give them five percent of the su- subsidiary because you know it, the subsidiary was worth much less. And and I, that's how I presented it too. I, I didn't present the, the Scotty vest. I you know they, they they tried to edit it as if I did a bait and switch, and but everyone was very clear as to what I was presenting. I see. So so right now to this day they they own well uh, yeah, uh, up until a month or so ago within three years after the airing of the show they had a right to exercise the, the option at no cost ah. and up until two months ago I was I had a partner they did not exercise their option I Mark Cuban who I got into a massive fight with on 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 the show I mean like and and thereafter on Twitter I mean it just he's he, kind of a dick but um you know um he doesn't believe in patents i mean the first question they ask every entrepreneur and one of the things i'm going to advise entrepreneurs is don't focus so much on the on the uniqueness of your idea don't try to focus on a patent and no one else can do focus more on the execution of the idea and i think a lot of entrepreneurs myself included get caught up in unless i have the perfect idea that no one is doing that I can't be successful. It, it's not so much about the idea. It's about the execution and building a, a, an enduring brand. I just wanted to ask you also, like, how did it feel like telling those guys where to go and, and, and you know, it felt awesome. <laughs> I can't <laughs> lie to you. I mean, you know, I mean, I really did. I mean, you know, I controlled the room. I mean, in, in that show, everything is designed so that the, the entrepreneur is on a, a lower part of the room they're in their chairs they're looking down on you the lights are on you you know and and they're you know throwing questions at me left and right and i'm answering all their questions and they were dumbfounded they didn't know what to make of me they really didn't so much so that you know after this after the the episode had taped at the very end i was shaking everyone's hand and 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 they congratulated me they they'd never you know had seen anything like it since then or and 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 thereafter um, mm. it was exciting, but you know, I, I would have preferred that it, you know, it, it didn't focus on the controversy and that it would have focused on the features and benefits of my product. I mean, the fact of the matter is it didn't do anything for sales. 
We bought millions, let me emphasize, millions of dollars worth of inventory in anticipation of the show generating millions, multi-millions of sales. Mm. You know, we did some calculations and thought six million people, you know, I was the longest uh, segment. It was over 21 minutes. They're usually seven to 12 at most. And uh, that we thought for sure that, you know, this was going to generate sales. The Friday night it aired the sales were identical to the Friday night previous. Wow, the reason is really? it was, yeah, people just assume you're going to sell a lot. You're not. Could not you hear these stories. Well, in my case, you know, what you walk away with was great TV. You walk <laughs> away with, you know, an entrepreneur who was a lawyer and presented, you know, as a bit evil and, and 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 you're, you're you don't walk away with hey that was a great idea. There was a thirty second segment uh, you know that was taped where I took everything out of my Scotty vest and I showed how many all the pockets and features and and if, if they had aired that portion that thirty seconds I, I would have sold millions of dollars. I'm not kidding you, mm. but they didn't. They, you know they had so much other good material. You know, ranging from when I called Steve Wozniak and, and Woz agreed for me to tell them no and to, you know, uh, pointing at them and telling Cuban he was out the moment he sat down. I mean, it was it was awesome TV. It really was. And it it felt good because, it you know, not because I was I was treating them disrespectfully, although some people would watch it and come to that conclusion. It felt good because they were baiting me. They knew that if I said the word Scotty Vest, I had to get five percent. So that's all they kept trying to get me to do. Mm. And and they kept negotiating for a company I hadn't presented. And I was like, this is ridiculous, guys. You know, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, take an investment in that company. You want me to come back on and release the 5%? I'm in. But up until then, you know, I'm here to pitch a, a, a different company for a different valuation. Mm. Yeah, no, this is this is uh, really, really interesting stuff. I'm so surprised that you didn't get an increase in sales. Nope. Wow. No, again, it was just people went to the website to see if I was still in business, but you know, <laughs> but it wasn't the way it was edited was such that it wasn't about the company or about the product. It was about me as an individual arguing about patents. And I remember where I was going. I mean, every entrepreneur who gets on there, they ask, "Oh, is it patented?" You know, and everyone says, "You know, I have four patents pending." And you know, but no one has a patent when they walk in there. In my case, not only did I have a patent, not only did I have a patent that was examined and reissued, but I successfully defended it. You know, against you know twenty of the most the largest clothing companies in the world, including Ralph Lauren, North Face, Under Armour, and the like. And and to to have a patent is meaningless until you're willing to stand up and defend it and spend the money and time associated with it. You're, you're it's it's really not valuable. And that's what they that's what they attacked me over. And let's remember, you know, a little company called Levi Strauss. Of course, some <laughs> jeans. Do you know why you know them? No, because when they first came out, they came out with dungarees and dungarees you know, were, were very common for railroad workers, construction workers and the like. They came up with the idea. If I use a rivet to to attach these dungarees, in addition to stitching, I can sell a lot more dungarees because they're going to be a lot uh, sturdier. And they patented the rivet. If they had not patented a rivet and clothing, they would have not they you would not know their name. They would just be another clothing manufacturer from the 1800s that went out of business. 
Mm. Did you know that? No, no, I didn't look know that. at every look at every Levi's uh, label on the back of your pants. You'll see a patent number. That's what it relates to. Oh wow, that's really interesting. So, I guess the the question is, was it worth going on Shark Tank? You didn't get an increase in sales. You know, People my wife made you look like no. a fool. I, I don't think they made me look like a fool. I, 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 you know, others may disagree, but you mm. know, you know, fifty percent of the people watched it, loved it, and fifty percent thought I was uh, treated the, their beloved sharks disrespectfully. You know, mm. my wife would say no because we had spent so much money buying all this inventory in anticipation of selling through, and I agree about the sales, and that's why I went on. But I can't go any place in the world without someone recognizing me. And it leads to a conversation. I get to meet people. Now they, 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 when they hear the story and the backstory, they're even more intrigued. I wrote mm. the book. The book's doing very well. Again, Pocket Man. So, you know, it's a long tail. It wasn't as immediate of a, a result as I would have hoped and expected. But, um, no, I don't regret doing it. In fact, I, you know, I, I would love to have an opportunity to go on again. And this time – you know, present Scotty Vest as the company given now that they've gotten rid of the 5%, which by the way, Mark Cuban, ironically enough, he's the one who I got in the biggest fight with who on a podcast said his sole goal was to make me cry on national TV, which he clearly didn't do as anyone who watched the episode, but he said he wouldn't go back on the episode unless they waived that 5% because rightfully so. He said, you guys should be making TV shows. You shouldn't be partners in these businesses. So um, they waived it. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Okay. No, look, this is really interesting because you, you don't hear this side of the story. Well, I, I'm actually going to be writing another book called Beyond the Tank. I've talked to all, a lot of the other entrepreneurs in the show, and I've collected a bunch of quotes, and it's going to come out in the fall. Proceeds are going to go to charity, letting people know the other side of Shark Tank, what you don't see on TV. You know, and I think that a lot of people will be fascinated by it. This show has been tremendously successful and it does a lot of good. It educates people. But let's remember, folks, it's a TV show. It's not a place you go to raise money. Mm. So, you know, what well, actually, you know, that's a really good question. Like, what is your thoughts on bootstrapping versus raising capital? You're, so you are you still 100% yes. funded? 100% yes. self-funded. You know, when I first started, I never thought I would do it all by myself. I, I took out a, a, a second mortgage on my house, borrowed about $100,000, and I thought that as with everything else, you, you borrow, 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 and raise money, and, 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 and you shoot to go for an IPO within three to five years, and, and, you know, and I, I could not be happier that I went about it the old-fashioned way, and the old-fashioned way was finance it myself. You know, try to be profitable as quickly as I could, you know, analyze each different business uh, project as its own P&L. And as a result, I don't have anyone I answer to other than myself and my wife, who's the other partner in my business. Had I gone the um, other route and raised money, a lot of people forget how much time and energy you spend 
you know, first on your initial raise, and then of course there's always a subsequent raise and a subsequent raise thereafter, and the communications with all your your investors. That time is extraordinarily valuable, especially when you have so many other things that you need to do to build a business. Mm. Uh, that's not to say I wouldn't have liked to have the thought of playing with other people's monies, but when you <laughs> when when you're using your own money, you're a lot smarter and more careful about it. Yeah, and and it's enabled me to be a better business person, I think. Mm. So I, I would encourage you know people to, to to two big takeaways we've talked about. And I'm going to talk about a third, which I think is the key to my success. The two that we've talked about so far that I think are huge. Uh, well, three: do your own PR, do it well, embrace the controversy, whenever possible. Don't focus so much on the IP. The intellectual property, that's not the most important. The execution is the most important part. And don't raise outside money unless you absolutely need it and know that it comes with a price that you haven't considered, and that's the price of your time. The other piece that we haven't started talking about, which made me successful, is the concept of F you. I F you everything. What does F you mean? Well, it means a lot of things, but the way I use it, it means follow up. I mm. flag every single email I get or receive and I put a date on it. And I, I, I if I send an email, I, I put a date by which I expect a, a response. If I don't get the response, I send another email saying, hey, you know, you know, two weeks ago I emailed you, you know, what can I do to make this happen until I reached a natural point where it's dead. And, and you'd be shocked at little teeny technique for not just in business, but in life. I get so much more done. And so many people, they think, oh, it's an e email. Oh, I can forget about it. Well, not if you email me. I'm never going to forget about it. And we're going to see it to, through to conclusion. And hopefully that conclusion is going to make us both some money. Mm, yeah, no, I love that point. That's actually something. It's funny you mentioned that. That's actually something I was I touched on. In, when somebody interviewed me this uh, this week as well, because you know we get a lot of pitches for people wanting to you know be interviewed or be on the magazine or be on the podcast or whatever, and I always like we've got our editorial calendar filled for 2015, and I always say you know by all means touch base with us in the near future. Not one person <laughs> ever follows me up. I, in our case, you know, as you know, we've tried to schedule this several times and, you know, and I know a lot of the times were my fault for not making it, but I've always reached back and, and we started it. If it was worth starting, it's worth finishing. Mm. So, and, and yeah, open the door and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come on through and I'm going to keep knocking on the door until, until I get what I want. Yeah, no. So you're persistent. And you, you, yeah, you got really good follow up. There's actually a tool for everybody if you use Gmail that's very, very powerful that I use for follow up too. Like, for example, I'm trying to get uh, Elon Musk on, on on the magazine, so I found his um, head of PR at Tesla, and there's this tool. It's a Gmail plugin called Rebump, and what you can do is you before you send the email, you press tick on the Rebump plugin. And if you do not get a reply, you can set automated emails to go out as follow-ups and you can template these emails, which is really, really cool. So you don't even have to set a date aside or put a date in your calendar. You just 
tick that button, have it all set up with the templates, and you can do as many follow-ups as you want all on automation. That's cool. I, I use a, a similar tool. It's called Active Inbox. Oh. You're, you're, and uh, you know, you know, I used to use uh, Outlook Reminders. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the problem with Outlook Reminders is if you have an email chain, and I send on average um, 9,000 emails a month, email threads. If you wow. do the math, uh, if each That's thread can, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm an email madman and each one is a follow-up, you know, a lot of them are follow-ups and that's how I get so much stuff done. I believe that, you know, today's business, that's how you communicate and the better you can communicate via email, the more stuff you're going to get done. But, um, so with, with, with Outlook, when you set a reminder on an email and that email is part of a thread with 10 different or 20 different emails within it, you can have 10 different reminders for the same email. Mm. So I, I'm a huge proponent of get away from Outlook as soon as you can and, and move over to a Gmail-based web client mm-hmm. and utilize either this Rebump or, in my case, Active Inbox, which is very inexpensive and enables you using labels to set reminders and every day there's 50 emails, no less than 50 emails, you know, are set for tomorrow that are reminding me some as silly as, you know, did I get my Apple watch, you know, just reminding me I'm excited (laughs) to, you know, to some as important as, you know, did I get a check from a company who told me they were going to send it last week? You know, Mm. um, if everything pretty much happens in email. So I I cannot emphasize uh, enough if each one of your listeners would employ a, a proper follow-up program, they're going to they're gonna do so much better in life and in business. Mm, yeah, no, that's a fantastic tip. I, I really like that one, Scott. So look, we have to work towards wrapping up. I just have one last, two last questions. One is, how did you get in touch with Steve Wozniak and also, was, was it the founder of North Face? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did that? How did you get them? Oh, as I have advisors? met a, a collection of people uh, from Scotty Vest. Steve Wozniak was my, one of my favorite stories. He placed an order on my website, and my wife, who was processing the orders, forwards me the the email saying, "You'll never guess who placed an order," and it was Steve Wozniak. And within moments, rather than struggling over a, a two page treatise on how much I love him and admire him, I just I just wrote him immediately because I I think that whatever's worth doing is worth doing fast. That's another mm. one of my principles. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote to him thanking him for his order, knowing it he had just placed it and it was fresh in his mind. Yeah, and and I, I'm a big fan of yours. Love Scott. You know, a very simple email, and he he writes back saying, oh, "My pleasure. It's a great accessory for an iPod." And I wrote back, "Can I use that on my website?" He said, "Sure." Within a day, our cover of our of our homepage said, "Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, says Scotty Vest is an exceptional accessory for your iPod." That's mm. how I initially met him, and then. You know, you remember those iconic um, iPod commercials with the multicolored backgrounds and yeah. the guy dancing with the white wires. And, you know, I, I came up with what this has to be my biggest blunder. And I know we have to wrap up, but mm. um, I'll make it quick. I, I, I said, Steve, I have a really great idea. I know you're a funny guy and you like humor. Would you would you act in this commercial spoofing Apple's commercial 
But instead of, you know, dancing around, you would trip over your wires and, and you know, like a goof. And, and then someone hands you a Scotty vest and you'd be dancing perfectly. He says he loved it. He thought it was hilarious. And and I, and I thought about it. And because Steve's kind of a heavyset guy, I thought it would maybe mock my product and make it a little kind of like Chris Farley-esque. And I said, ah, you know, Steve, I thought about it. Maybe not. Let's not do it. Now, how viral would that have gone? You know? Yeah, that would have been really funny. If you if you search YouTube for the funniest uh, uh, iPod spoof, you're, uh, you'll you'll find the one that we actually did, and imagine it was him. And Hapclop came up to me at a trade show and asked me a bunch of questions, and and I said, "And who are you?" And he says, "I founded a little <laughs> company called the North Face, and uh, our friendship has lasted ever since." Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of North Face. It's quite big here in Australia. I just bought like a nice big vest of theirs, like one of those puffer vests. They're really warm for winter. Yep. So, yeah, look, loving this conversation, Scott. Uh, Last question, and that's just like, is there anything that you wanted me to ask you that I haven't asked you, and, and where's the best place to find your book, you know, if anyone wants to get a Scotty vest, you know? Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you get my. I'll answer the first one. Is the easiest one. You buy our products online. It's Scott S C O T T E Vest V E S T Scotty Vest. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, and it, it you know that would be what I'd like you to ask me about because your listeners can really will really appreciate the book. The book's called Pocket Man, and it's entertaining. It's like the stories I'm telling you now, but. In, in, a, in a better order, more well thought out, but it's how it's, it's sitting down with me and asking me a series of questions of how I got my start and how I was successful and what bumps along the way there have been. And it was intended not to be a traditional business book. It was intended to be first and foremost entertaining. And, and uh, having said that, you'd learn a, a bit while you're being entertained. And I think you can finish it in, in under two or three hours. And it's called Pocket Man on Amazon. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Scott. My pleasure, Nate. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic And I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.